And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today this week, Seth? I'm good. Uh, today, actually, we're uh, I had a Snowbot, uh, this remote-controlled uh, kind of AI-driven uh, snowblower uh, out. And they're uh, sponsoring the show this week. So thank you to Snowbot. Uh, we'll have a review uh, later this month, probably. Yeah, timing is great because... Uh snow there's plenty of that around well not here here because i'm in mexico right now but around uh, north america right now with the uh, the extreme cold wave that's hitting the northeast um all right oh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today also because uh one of the biggest story this week if not the biggest uh regarding tesla is the the problem in the extreme cold that a lot of uh, tesla owners are experiencing right now specifically tesla owners with the latest heat pump so that's the uh, 2021 model threes and all uh, model y vehicles it's actually a problem that we heard about last year around the same time when there was a, a big wave of cold uh, it was framed as a, as a software issue with the sensors that uh, the, the heat pump was was shutting down and we, we already know in the first place that the heat pump is not it's a super efficient system super good at creating some clean heat but it's uh, it's also not ideal for extreme cold weather like you generally need a backup system, but but Tesla's uh, octovalve system combined with the heat pump had a dual loop system that Tesla claim was was f- fixing this issue. Like the, it could handle extreme cold. Um, that wasn't the case last year, but Tesla was framing it as a software issue. A sensor is tripping and, and telling the the wrong temperature to to the system and and shutting down the uh, the heat pump, which is a problem when you're driving a ha- around in extreme cold. The, the car gets extremely cold, and then you are. Uh, um, it's literally a danger issue, but now it's resurfacing again this year with this wave of uh, cold weather, and uh, we, we're starting to learn a little bit more about, about the problem through uh, some of the people that are unfortunately experiencing it. And there's a, they, some people are, are literally driving around, and then they get this little warning here: uh, cabin climate control system requires service. Cabin eating, cooling, limited or unavailable, and it's it's mostly unavailable. People say that it's still blowing hair, but it's it's cold hair, like it's not it's not warm at all. And a bunch of owners brought their system to uh, their, their cars to the local service centers, especially in Canada and in in the Northeast. And they they've been told a bunch of different things, but for for the most part, what seems to be consistent is. Um, well, actually, it, it looks like it's a bunch of different problems put together. The main one being the air intake in front of the car, where, which the heat pump use, uh, can get clawed up with uh, with ice, and uh, that uh, br- either breaks the flap or uh, leave the flap stuck, and that will uh, in turn trigger a, a mistake in the. Uh, in the sensor or completely block the air input and then you screw either way. So now, now the bigger issue is like, how, how do you fix that? Is it, is it an hardware problem? Do you need to replace the hair intake or the flap uh, or the sensor or all of those? Um, Tesla right now, what they're telling people is like either manually remove the highs from the hair intake or uh, use your uh, cabin control ahead of time to try to thaw the, uh, the air intake uh, with uh, boosting the defroster to the maximum. 
That's not ideal, of course, depending on like if if you have a problem with your air intake being covered in ice, that probably means your car is outside. So if your car is outside, uh, is it plugged in? If it's plugged in, it's not too bad. But even then, if you put your defroster at max, even if your car is plugged in, depending on what it's plugged in, uh, you you might lose some range. And uh, especially if you are 120 volt and it's not going to charge at all anymore and you're going to lose like probably uh, 20 kilometers and over 30 minutes of defrosting and at this type of cold that we're experiencing right now with minus 20 celsius uh which what is it in fahrenheit uh we, we just talked about it but i forgot like negative 10 <laughs> negative 10 uh it, it uh it doesn't do much so they're telling you to do that um then tesla pushed a, a software update this week that a some people are, are saying that affects the uh, attempts to fix the issues, but it's not clear what it does yet. We don't have any release notes on it, so Tesla didn't release any details. I would assume that they can do something. They can make it into a mode that would push more hair towards the front of the car and, and try to defrost the area. But honestly, it doesn't look like it's the only problem. It looks like it might be more of a hardware issue with uh, the air intake and the flap itself. Or even with the octovalve system completely. Now, what's not clear is that is it is it a problem, a native defect with the EPOM octovalve system, or is it that if the problem persists with their intake and and the the false trigger on the sensor for the heat pump, does it lead to a more severe hardware problem? Because uh, we we've saw several owners reporting that. The service center had to replace several parts, if not all parts. In one case, in the case of Jimmy Young, uh, a Model Y owner in Toronto, he posted on the Facebook uh, page uh, the the entire service bill uh, that added up to five thousand Canadian, which is about four thousand US dollars, to replace uh, the entire super manifold that they called it, the octovalve system and uh, the heat pump. Of course, it was covered under warranty, but just to tell you, like this is kind of an extensive uh, re- repair here. It's not just like a software fix or replacing a, a flap. So this is uh, a, a quite a widespread problem. Like if you go to the forums right now, if you go to uh, the social media, you're going to see a lot of people complaining about that. And, and for good reason, because Tesla in cold weather has been a subject of discussion since the beginning. There's always the phrase that comes back that uh, Tesla is a California car. Well, Technically, like not a Texas company, but whatever. It's still, if you're buying a North American Tesla, a Tesla in North America, you're buying it from Fremont, California. They say, oh, it's been tested only in California, which is not exactly true. Uh, they, they have a testing facility in Alaska, and they do so come do some cold weather testing. But there has been over time a lot of issues in cold weather with some of the designs. Uh, one of the most common one that comes back is the the door handles. Yeah. And I, I still have a problem with that in my Model 3 when it's left outside and it's too cold. Like uh, it, it takes me a long time and I break my, my thumbs trying to push on the on the handles. Yeah, we just have to smash them until they uh, they open and then they don't shut. So like the doors just like yeah yeah they they stick open like that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not ideal at all. Uh, but this one is a more like it, it's potentially dangerous because if you imagine you're yeah. on long distance road trip, uh, you're in a kind of remote area and then you get this problem. Uh, if you have, even if you still have, like the car is still working, you still have range, but you still have an hour to go or something. Going an hour and minus twenty, minus thirty. Now we're we are seeing minus thirty Celsius weather. Uh, it's uh, it's an issue. Of course, you can have maybe your your if you have the seat warmers, um, the heated seat that helps a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
your hands are going to get cold pretty fast. So at this point, if you have uh, Model 3 or Model Y with the heat pump, I kind of have to recommend that you um, at least have like a candle in the car uh, all the time. Yeah, a couple of candles maybe. <laughs> and also have your, your winter gear with you. Like sometimes I know that... Uh, uh, I like to I, I dress pretty light for the weather because I know like I'm just going to my car and then my to my car to whatever I'm going and it's inside so I I, I just put a little jacket on but this time maybe I would put uh, my full my full winter coat and and my big gloves and whatnot. Yeah, I mean uh, you want to do that anyway, even even regardless of the situation. Yeah. I mean I, I should I should note like I go to Vermont uh, every weekend. It's about a three hour drive, um, and it's going to be quite cold this this uh, weekend and we're, you know, we're a little bit concerned that we're going to lose heat on the way up there. And there's, you know, some barren stretches, obviously, uh, you know, we'll get a candle, we'll get some blankets. We've got a Husky. Uh, so I think we'll be all right, but uh, it is a little bit, a little bit scary. Maybe Tesla should sell some uh, candles in the, uh, in yeah. the Tesla store for sell Doge. Them the Doge coin and yeah. uh, for an extremely exorbitant price. To- <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's been reports out of like Finland and, and Sweden that that try to put a number of people affected. So, but that's what that's what's confusing. Like, it, no one is able to say is it a defect uh, with the system inherently, a hardware defect that's not affecting all cars, or is just a bunch of conditions that can lead to the any of those literally any model 3 model y with the e-pump failing um th- that's the concern right now because uh we, we've seen um, in finland they say oh, either a third to a fourth uh a fourth to a third of the cars are, are being affected by that again i i don't know if they mean that there's a defect in the third or fourth of the cars that, that it comes with a defect and then the system fails or if the conditions that lead to this failure are affecting the fourth to a third of the owners. It's not clear. Elon acknowledged the issue in a thread on, on, on Twitter, but it didn't go to details. The, the, the thread was framing the uh, the info in like it it's, can be just solved in the software, but at the same time, yeah, there's a problem with the flap uh, for the air intake. So are they going to have to replace the flap or they can just fix the issue with software? The whole issue is not clear. And like I said, we have seen owners having to replace their entire system. So be um, be aware of that. And uh, like I said, said with the, the what's coming up this, this next week with minus 30s and whatnot, like you be super careful in the coming days because uh, it's an issue. And uh, I mean, in the article, I had to put in that Elon Elon said, uh, if we remember, that the heat pump system and the octovalve that uh, Tesla developed is some of the best engineering he has seen in a while. Uh, it looks like this engineering needs a little bit more work. <laughs> well, when it's working, it'll be awesome, but yeah. it doesn't work. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and of course, uh, this article like. I got I got so much hate from the Tesla fan for it, even though even though everyone agrees this is an issue. But I had a bunch of Tesla fans which cracked me up. Where they're like, "How about you report on the cars that are working? The heat pump is working. Like, no one gets a gold star for the system to work as intended. Like, <laughs> you're eating when you buy a, a, a new forty thousand dollar car, you expect the eating system to work. It's not like, hey, by the way, my car, my system eating work. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> where are the headlines about that? <laughs> I, I tweeted something to this effect, but. Like, like who would like if if we wrote a post that said most of Tesla's heaters are working, like yeah. that nobody like that's not a good post either. 
Yeah, but then if 10%, 20% of the system are failing in the extreme cold, that's that's a real story. Like that needs to be addressed. Doesn't yeah. mean that Tesla is going bankrupt, doesn't mean that the company is over, is not doing great things to accelerate uh EV adoption. It's it's a real issue that Tesla needs to adopt. And we we know that there's some part of Tesla's culture to move extremely fast and to bring iteration to the market and production extremely quick that might lead to some of those concerns. Uh, again, I think uh, there's another extreme too that that goes the Tesla short that are like, oh, uh, this is because, like we said earlier, this is a California car and they, they don't even winter test and everything. That's another extreme that's not true too. I'm sure the system was tested in, in Alaska. Tesla's a uh, um, cold weather uh, proving grounds. But Obviously, uh, they didn't account for all conditions. Um, all right, moving on to the next Tesla story of the week. The uh, new Model S that we've been reporting about over the last few weeks that's been spotted in, uh, in, spotted in California uh, with the new tail lights, the new headlights, the new CCS. Uh, well, we didn't know at the time exactly that it was a, we suspected it was a CS charger, but uh, the, the charge port was different. Uh, it was unveiled in Taiwan uh, this week with the Model uh, X. So, so, so far, Model S and X has only been delivered in uh, the new refresh version, I mean, uh, in, in North America, in the U.S. and Canada. But uh, Tesla unveiled, uh, kind of did a local launch in Taiwan. But it wasn't, for the Model X, it was pretty much exactly the version in the U.S., except with the SCCS charge port, which was expected, like the European version and some some other Asian markets are going to have the CCS version. Uh, but the Model S had the charge port with the CCS plug, plus the new tail lights and the new headlights. So we get the, uh, a better look here at the at the headlights, and uh, fortunately, not a great look at the at the tail lights here. But uh, it's the other version. Also, the, the back with the tail lights, you see that there's not the trim that goes between the tail lights anymore. So it's the updated back. It looks a lot like the Model Three, to be honest, or uh, the, the back more. end. Uh, yeah, yeah, with with this uh, with this change. Um, but uh, yeah, it's suspected that those new headlights are the the same um, matrix uh, matrix projector headlights that are in the um, Model Three, Model Y now. So they're making their way to the Model S and the Model X. Uh, well, Model S for now. You know, I think those Matrix headlights are going to, I mean, I, obviously uh, in the Christmas show stuff, they're they're making appearance. But I have a feeling Tesla's going to do a lot more uh, stuff with those Matrix headlights in the future with software. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, they used to be not, uh, the, well, illegal is the word, but they didn't, they weren't approved by regulators in, in North America when uh, that has changed and Tesla brought them to the Model 3 Model Y. Um, we assume that they're going to make their way to the Model S made for the U.S. market too, uh, but we're probably going to have to wait a few more weeks uh, to to confirm that. We know that Tesla makes vehicles in batches and we know that the Model S uh, deliveries are expected to be uh, to start soon in the international markets. So probably Tesla is making a batch right now for that and then... Uh, uh, once they resume the batch for the U, uh, for for U.S. and, and Canadian market, we, we're going to see if the the changes have made it there. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. What do you think of the hinge on the uh, the uh, the bay door, the the charger bay door? They moved that down to the. Oh yeah! Instead of being uh, directly underneath, it's like on the side on the left side. I wonder how this that's going to do in the snow. 
probably better actually because you yeah, yeah you, you have an angle instead of being straight up like it doesn't have to push off off of snow or ice that much it's probably better because right well yeah but uh, but it doesn't protect the uh the charge part as much though like right. right now it serves as a little canopy on the model three and model y to, to right. protect the, the charge port i mean uh, those charge ports already all um what's the word uh, weatherproof uh, i yeah. guess so it's not it's not that big of an issue i don't think it was providing that much uh protection but uh something something to take into account i also like with the not that the original Model S and, and X had an extremely strong charge port. It was a smaller one too, but uh, I was always a little bit concerned with the Model Three one. Like uh, it's gonna, it's gonna break. Like it look a little bit flimsy. My Model Three uh, charge port is wonky. Like it, it doesn't oh, yeah. open all the way. You kind of have to manually open it. And mm. um, when they came out to repair my door handle, they were like, uh, "You should bring that into the shop." So. Okay. Yeah, so I was going to say mine has been pretty good so far, so I thought that uh, my concern was not warranted, but uh, it looks like it might be, actually. My car probably gets less used than yours, too, uh, all the time. Um, all right, moving on. This is an interesting story that uh, could could change a little bit or the information that we get about the full self-driving beta. Uh, the DMV disclosed to Tesla and, well, publicly uh, threw a, a letter to... Um, a state senator in California that uh, the California DMV, I should say, by the way. So, um, so California DMV has an autonomous driving division that regulates uh, autonomous driving test programs in the state because, I mean, they have a lot of uh, test program there. And companies like Tesla mostly have done their testing there. Apple, Google. Originally, they moved to uh, Arizona and Nevada, but uh, for the most part, it started in California. And uh, this this program, they, they monitor those uh, those test programs, and they also requires them to 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 share some data, uh, specifically accidents. So if there's an accident, they have to report it, uh, have to do an accident report, and we get all the details about that. And also the popular uh, disengagement report that tells you how many disengagement uh, from the autonomous system uh, it does per mile over time. So that's a that's a good indicator of how good your system is if it can handle most situation and the fewer disengagement you have over the longest period of time on the longer mileage uh, tells you that this this system is better than another it, it of course people can like choose the roads that they uh, they test them on everything they can choose an easier situation like if you're testing it in downtown los angeles or uh, if you're testing it in rural california you you get you get completely different result but for the most part it's it's one of the few data points that we can have that gives us an idea of how the system are progressing too of course because over time if you see all oh, the disengagements are going down well that's that's a good that's a good indicator that the, this particular autonomous testing program is making progress so tesla has uh, completely uh completely avoided this whole system by the California DMV. Uh, they did report some autonomous testing mileage over the years. Uh, every few years, you would have them have a few hundred miles of autonomous testing. But we always figured out that it, it was only to produce some videos like the one you see in that screenshot, uh, those demonstration videos that Tesla would release at uh, a shareholder meeting or um, during an event. They would release one of those videos. And then later on, when the California DMV released or disengagement report, Tesla would have reported a few hundred miles and the few hundred miles was normally just to produce that video, uh, a little bit of test beforehand and then release the video. And it was never a software that was uh, released to the customer. 
Uh, and that's despite Tesla for the last year and, and some having this full self-driving beta program that's now thousands of vehicles have uh, in their car right now. So the idea behind Tesla not having to report any of that mileage uh, from the customers and from a lot of the people that have the FSD beta also employees, and they do give Tesla uh, regular feedback, regular report about the, their testing, not to the DMV though, because Tesla argued to them and we, we thanks to plain sight that they release all the uh, all the communication between Tesla and, and the DMV about that. Uh, it showed that Tesla has argued to the DMV that a our system, the FSD beta is a level two driving system because the driver is always responsible. They always have to have their hands on the steering wheel, always have to pay attention at all times. So they, uh, we, it's not on, under your definition of autonomous driving. It's not autonomous driving. So we don't have to report them. And at the time, the DMV said, okay, all right, we'll, we'll let you do that. And you don't have to report anything. But now with the way that the system improve over time, with the way it's being used by customer based on the videos that uh, those customers are releasing of the FSD beta, and the probably the number one reason is a little bit of the pressure from the legislature. In this case, uh, what was the woman's name? It's a Democrat uh, Miss, from... Missy, oh no. No, no, no. <laughs> that's that's the, the woman for the NHTSA. Yeah. Um, uh, State Senator Lina Gonzalez. She uh, she sent a letter in December to the DMV asking the DMV their take on the FSD beta and uh, why they are, Tesla doesn't have to report um, to them. And last week, the LA Times uncovered a letter that the DMV sent her back. They say that they are actually right now reviewing their decision not to include Tesla in the reporting uh, based on, I'm quoting the DMV right now, recent software updates, videos showing dangerous use of that technology, open investigation by uh, NHTSA and the opinions of other experts in the space. So they're saying that they are reviewing the decision and they might um, f- force Tesla to, to report probably through changing their definition of what accounts to an autonomous driving uh, test program, which, I mean, it, it literally is. <laughs> like FSD beta is literally an autonomous driving test program. It is true that it's level two though. Tesla has an argument there. It's a level two system. But it's it's a level to system push to the limits and then more like and the DMV has their point because if you look at the way that people are using it, they're using it as if it's autonomous and then yes they are paying attention having their hands on the wheel but sometimes they're not paying that much attention and sometimes their hands are not for the wheel for long enough and uh, you get some dangerous situations like mentioned by by the DMV here uh, we've seen pl- well, luckily we have never seen an accident on, on videos. There's been reports of accident that never been confirmed. But what we've seen and what we've seen plenty of proof of is there's been a ton of near-miss situation that could have been extremely dangerous and uh, that the system was definitely at fault and the owners were quick enough to, 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 to remedy the situation and avoid an accident. But so now the question is like that there's a big divide within the Tesla community should 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 Tesla just bend the knee to the DMV and, and start reporting? Should they fight this? What's happened? I don't know your opinions yet, but mine at this point, I'm like, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of regulation and oversight and everything. And not, I'm not saying that the DMV is uh, an authority on autonomous driving. Uh, but at this point, I don't see a problem with Tesla having to release that kind of data. I would like to see that data. I think that would be a way better 
indicator to us of any progression with the FSD beta uh, to see the disengagement rate uh, versus just the anecdotal evidence right now that we get from uh, FSD beta tester? Uh, I think it would be a plus. It would be a win. I agree. Um, what is the you know what is the opposite argument? Like why why hide it? Like, they're, they're, like, well, I mean, if you're a Tesla super fan and you're a Tesla investor, and uh, and then if it looks bad, because we know it's a it's a one step forward, uh, it's a two step forward, one step back kind of a kind of process. Right. The FSD beta. So every now and again, there is an update that uh, uh, doesn't do well and actually worsen the whole system. So uh, if it, if it goes down, it could affect the Tesla stock, and it could look bad for Tesla, and it could look bad. I mean, the the, the real argument i think that has some validity is that oh it could it could look so bad that the, it, it it set back full self-driving in terms of like oh the, it becomes over-regulated and set back the entire advent of the technology i think that's the only argument that could work but at the same time like you can make that argument about anything like <laughs> so uh i don't know i, I i'm for it yeah i am too all right we are in, we are in agreement on this uh, Tesla announced that their earnings uh, for the Q4 2021 and consequently the full year 2021 uh, is going to be released on January 26. Why are you talking to us about that, Fred? Big deal. Who cares? I agree for the most part that's true. But uh, what's special this this quarter uh, is that uh, Elon said that he's coming back to the call. Of course, if you have been, haven't been following the earnings call lately, Elon is not on them anymore. He said that... Uh, He's only going to be on them when it's more important, when there's something to announce. Uh, full year earnings could probably qualify as being more important. But on top of it, Elon already announced that on the next earnings call, which again, we now know is January 26, he's going to do a product roadmap update for Tesla. So that's going to be something to watch for sure, going to be something interesting. And uh, he said that specifically in response to the Cybertruck. So we're going to expect a full update on the Cybertruck and some other Tesla products. Roacher. Uh, you know what? That's the only one that I, <laughs> I, I think we won't really hear about. Maybe we were going to hear about it a little bit. You know, we know that MKBHD just did this video about, about it. Uh, well, it was partly about that. Um, I didn't see it. What was the uh, gist of that one? Well, I mean, the whole video was about how uh, tech companies sometimes lie to us. Oh, That was the, the theme of the video. So Tesla was the first part, but it was also a part about Apple, about a bunch of other uh, companies. Uh, which uh, for for Tesla, it was focusing on the Roadster and how Tesla like lied about the timing of it, lied about. I mean, uh, to, to be honest, the Tesla part, I thought it, it was like pushing it a little bit. Like you could you could have found plenty of other things right. to, to, from Tesla to lie about. Like the FSD would have been a, a way better Easy example, one. I think. Uh, the Roadster was talking about like the 1.9 seconds uh, was including the was removing the rollout, which most automakers these days use that anyway. So it's it's just standard at this point. So it's not really a lie, I think. Uh, the timing of it, I think himself in the video is like that's not really a lie to them. Maybe they tried to do it and then he, he didn't. Um, it wasn't a lie at that time. I'm sure they were aiming to release it in 2020, but then. They realize that ah, we should focus on the Model Y, and then ah, we should focus on the Cybertruck, and and so on. Uh, but yeah, so the Cybertruck, we expect uh, an update on it. There's been a bunch of news coming out in the last few days with the Cybertruck. I know the routers was out with, uh, oh, it's been delayed to the first quarter 2023. Uh, the report was 
kind of weak in my opinion. I don't uh, the, uh, never heard of the guy that's reporting on, on it. I mean, nothing against him, but I, I look into his history of reports on Tesla. He never had an exclusive on Tesla before new information. So that was his first one. And in the report, he says it's based on one source. So I'm like, good look, if I was to bet on whether Tesla is going to produce a Cybertruck in 2022 or 2023, I, I'd definitely bet 2023. Uh, so you might be right, but uh, it doesn't look like it was on any kind of solid information. Then uh, Trip Shradi, who's been wrong plenty of times on Tesla, came out with a, an even bigger report saying, oh, Tesla's going to unveil the production Cybertruck in March, and it's going to have two versions, and one's going to be 15 to 20% smaller than the prototype, uh, which... Also, I would take with a giant grain of salt because Tesla has talked a lot about the smaller version, which they said at first they were going to do. Then Elon said, no, we're going to put that on the back burner. We're going to make it later on for the European version. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon from Tesla. I think they're going to focus on on just the one version, bring that to market for the American market, which is which is the one American market is the one that needs the Cybertruck. Like it, right. it needs Although electric pickup trucks. The, uh, the Ford Maverick's been quite popular though it comes in a hybrid version but i, yeah. I don't know if that's it's also super point. cheap though that's, yeah that's, that's exactly. the difference um but yeah we we expect a lot of update on the cyber truck uh, probably an update on the on the timing though to be honest i don't know if even tesla knows exactly the timing on, on this they thing certainly don't <laughs> yeah i mean the the focus right now in texas is obviously model y uh and once they ramp that up then the focus is going to shift on on on, 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 uh, on cyber truck but then so if right now, let's say that the Rotters report was true and they're now aiming in, in first quarter 2023. But let's say that uh, that also includes production ramp achieved in Q3 uh, 2022 for the Model Y and then no volume production slips to, slips to Q4. But then you can assure you that the cyber truck will also slip. So I don't know. Uh, what else do we expect with the product roadmap update? Uh, the Tesla Semi, that would be a nice update there. Uh, even maybe like a production spec uh, unveiling, um, that would be nice. Right. What else? Did I mention anything else that I would expect? Oh, well, an update on Model Y from Gigafactory Texas, Gigafactory Berlin, that would make sense too. We know that uh, there's been a lot of indication lately that uh, Gigafactory Texas is about to start production. I know that uh, Dan Hives, who I would trust more than <laughs> than uh, uh, Trip Shradis, has a better track record with those things, uh, did say that he expects Model Y production in Texas to start within the next two weeks. And so also when the timeline is closer like that, normally they, they know something we don't. And uh, I would be surprised because today, too, we saw that the Tesla updated the Model Y owner's manual in the u.s and uh, they had a mention of the structural battery pack they said that if you have a structural battery pack the mm. the lift point for the for, for jacking the car are, are, are different so uh, that would and that might be like the only thing you need to know about uh, the model y with structural battery pack in the owner's manual because everything else is like is under the hood it's not not something that the owners really would uh, would have to uh, tamper with so something to keep in mind, like we in the next few days, I would expect more reports about uh, Gifford Texas and a uh, start of production there. Anything else to have said from the product roadmap that you you would like to see? Uh, we could maybe hear about the model, whatever two or the, the smaller thing yeah. in China. I don't so, know if so, they would announce it here though. 
Yeah, so that, that's the thing about announcing it there. Like Elon has always been saying, like, oh, the earnings call is not a place for product updates, product uh, product announcement, and, and things like that. But now he specifically said that this earnings call is going to be a, a product roadmap update. But at the same time, a product what, what the product roadmap means more about the timing and when things are coming. I think uh, so. Timeline on the Cybertruck, timeline on Model Y. So maybe maybe an update on the timeline on the twenty five thousand dollar Tesla, if if that's still the targeted price. Which is not a done deal, obviously. Um, yeah, for Gigafactory Berlin, we would like to know an update on that. But the situation is a lot murkier in Berlin because to start production, they need the environmental uh, report approval, and uh, that that still hasn't happened. But there was an update this week where Tesla obtained another temporary approval this time to produce two thousand Model Y bodies. So in the application for that was approved. Uh, we learned that before Tesla was approved for 250 Model Y bodies uh, at the factory, they did that. They produced those uh, in the report based on what, what the Brandenburg uh, government said is that Tesla communicated to them that they weren't happy with the quality of those 250 bodies. And now they want to do a second run with 2000 bodies, which is a lot more. Uh, but uh, so a lot of people are saying, oh, they're going to use those bodies to produce cars to, to, to sell to people and to be ready to have volume production and everything. They can use the higher volume to, to be closer to volume production when they do get approval to start production. But it is explicitly said in uh, the approval that they cannot use those bodies to make cars that are going to go to customers. So that's uh, that kind of kills that. But but yes, I do think that that will help Tesla reach volume production faster. So that that's the thing with Berlin. Like everyone is waiting. Like when is the environmental approval going to finally happen? And yes, it's important for that to happen. I mean, they literally have a deal with the government in in Berlin to they had to put aside a hundred million dollars in case they never get the approval and they have to destroy or demolish the the entire factory. So they have a hundred million aside just for that. So there's always this possibility. I don't think it's ever going to come to that, but there's always this possibility that they build this entire thing for nothing. Um, again, I don't think that's actually going to happen, but it's something something to keep in mind uh, of the the mindset around the around this whole project. But yet, what the the good the, the silver lining of this entire situation is, even though the environmental uh, approval is not happening. Tesla is still doing a lot of work at the factory to uh, ramp up production a lot faster whenever they can start it. Oops, what's happening here? Get that back up. All right. All right, speaking of the Tesla Semi earlier, it was this uh, uh, Mr. Jason Colpaw. Uh, sent us some pictures of the mega charger uh, near Gigafactory Nevada. So this is the first uh, mega charger out there for the Tesla Semi, and uh, you got some uh, up close pictures of it. And uh, the interesting thing is that you can see the Tesla is using uh, this right here with this uh, a power pack with inverter on a, a trailer. So it's a mobile power pack system. So Tesla has, has used those sometimes before, uh, sometimes combined with superchargers and they deploy them at supercharger station or as backup power for supercharger station. So Tesla is doing that for the mega pack. And uh, we don't know exactly why, but my assumption here, is, which I think is a safe one, is to uh, test some mitigation system for uh, demand charges. Because we know for 
charging station in general, domain chargers are a big deal. That's why Electrifamerica deployed uh, Tesla power packs at over 140 of their own station. And Tesla, funny enough, Tesla seems to be a little bit behind the deployment of uh, energy storage at their own station, but uh, they are doing it too. And the idea is to shave some of the peak demand there because electric utility will, will charge you a lot more if there's a big discrepancy in your average uh, use of electricity. And then there's a big spike in it. That spike, you're going to get charged per kilowatt of energy a lot more. And uh, some charging network, they say that this is a giant part of their electricity bill and all their costs uh, that, that ultimately the customer and that charge their electric vehicles there end up paying. So the power pack can shave some of that peak demand, reduce demand charges, and save a lot of money. Now, can you imagine with the mega pack what's happening? Because we know the mega pack is probably over one megawatt of power, uh, maybe as much as 1.5, 1.6 megawatt. So most of the day you can have like no truck charging at all, and then one truck's charged there, and then two spike that up to 1.5 megawatt of power. Uh, so the demand charges at those mega chargers are going to be massive, and um, and a, a, a power pack like that, the power pack system being installed there, that that trickle charge during the day, so that your demand is more stable. And then when a, when the truck stops by to charge, you can both draw from the grid and draw from the power pack at the same time. And that will stabilize your electricity needs and reduce your demand charges greatly. And we know if you remember, I mean, I don't know if that's still true. I actually doubt that it's still true. But back when Tesla unveiled Tesla Semi in 2017, Elon announced that the mega charger is going to be a big part of the, of the, of the deal. And that, how much he said seven that Tesla is going to guarantee a rate of seven cents per kilowatt hour at mega chargers. So it's impossible for them to do that without a way to avoid almost completely demand charges. Right. So I think, I think this is what we're seeing here. This is the solution to demand charges. I mean, I think you're going to have a lot more than that though. You're going to have to have like a bigger energy storage system, maybe solar on site. You're going to have a lot of things to, to deliver on uh, seven kilowatt. Also, hour. Tesla may have just missed the mark and they're going to charge something way higher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see twice that, if not more. All right, we have a few more uh, news items to discuss um, before jumping into the comment section. So if you guys have uh, questions for us or topics you want us to discuss, uh, please put them in the comment section right now. If you can put question in capital uh, or... um, or the whole question itself uh, beforehand, uh, we, uh, uh, that would help us a lot. So please do that. And we're going to get to them in just a few minutes. Moving on from Tesla, uh, the Kia EV6 um, deliveries in the U.S. have actually started already. We, there's a few uh, reports from uh, customers that said that they've taken deliveries over the last few uh, days. And um, this is apparently way ahead of uh, schedule, apparently three months ahead of schedule that um, the deliveries have started. We reported last week on, uh, or the week before that, on, on Kia releasing the pricing uh, on the cars. Did we, uh, uh, we didn't include them in that article, but uh, I think it started at, what, 45000 uh, So uh, it's about $5,000 more than the EV, uh, EV5, uh, Ionic 5, which is, of course, the same platform as the EV6, but with a different from factor from the Hyundai brand instead of the Kia brand. But this is this is a sweet car right there. I think that was one of them that was delivered this week. Yep. Beautiful car. 
Yeah, and uh, a week after next week, I believe uh, I'm going to have a first drive of it in uh, California. Nice. So. Great. Um, I, we got an update on Rivian's uh, production. Uh, the, um, they released their entire 2021-year production and deliveries. Uh, we we, we kind of had a good idea of it already from uh, the first earning reports, which uh, was released in December. Uh, but that that covered um, the quarter up to September, but they did release an update until December 15, and they said that they had delivered uh, roughly 600 vehicles, something like that. And uh, they had originally guided that they would deliver uh, 1,200 vehicles in 2021, but during that earnings report, they already warned people that they had some production issues that is going to result in a miss by a few hundred units. So now they confirmed that in 2021, they produced 1,015 vehicles and delivered 920 of those. Uh, again, the miss has gotten some mixed reviews, but to be honest, I think it's still pretty good because uh, we're talking about the September because they started production in September. So September to, uh, to December, I ramp up to 1,000 units. Um, it, it, it's not bad. If I told you a year ago that Rivian was going to produce... 40 times the EVs that GM produced in, in quarter four, you would have said, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. A year ago, yeah, I, I, it would have been hard to see the the whole thing happening with the Bolt. Just, I mean, the Bolt right. was always getting some decent deliveries. And now, so the, the Bolt EV, UV being uh, crashed to the ground through the, this recall has, uh, has been the issue for GM. And, of course, they delivered literally a single uh, Hummer EV in December in 2021. So I wonder who so they, got that. Like, was it internal? No, Did it was get... actually, uh, it was sold to it. It was, oh, a, that's right. There was an like auction who... to a charity and they sold for like over a million dollars, I think. Uh, but the, the money went to a charity. Uh, we don't, I don't, I don't think we actually know who bought it because it was, it was an auction. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. So a uh, thousand units produced, uh, a little bit under the guidance, but uh, still pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, not uh, bad. Yeah, uh, we're gonna keep uh, keep a close eye to the ramp up. They didn't break down the models that were part of those thousand units, though. So I assume it's mostly the R1T, but we know that they produced a few R1S in December, and uh, I assume that they're putting the Amazon electric delivery van in that too. So right. And they're supposed to produce 100,000 of those over the next few years. So that's that's going to be a big part. All right, still about Rivian. Uh, there was a cool indication here that uh, they might get into the electric bike business. So they, they had their, their trademark, their existing Rivian trademark. They expanded it to cover another category that is focused on electric bicycles. So this is an kind of an early indication that he might go into that business. It's not a complete confirmation because we know that companies sometimes trademark things and that they don't end up using a trademark with. Uh, so, But it would make a lot of sense for, for Rivian to get into electric bikes. We, we know that Porsche has done it. We know that uh, BMW has done it. A bunch of other premium automakers has uh, produced electric bicycles. A lot of them also just sla- buying bikes from other companies, slapping yeah. their brand on it. I don't, I don't see Rivian doing that. But uh, you never know. Yeah, I mean, and, they'll probably buy components from another. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're that, not going to build it bespoke like their own vehicles. But 
Yeah, but they might do it like just a model just for them. Like you said, it would be cool to have one that like fits perfectly in in the back of the oh, of yeah, the R one T or something like that. Of course, we've seen a picture here that they already have a R one T bike rack that you can put the bikes on top. Yeah. So maybe it's gonna be just a regular good old electric bike. I don't know. That'd be All cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna keep an eye on potentially Rivian making an e bike. Should we jump into the comments, the questions? Yep. All right. The Jose says, uh, Neo expands headquarters in, in USA, which we reported on. Is the launch mm-hmm. imminent of a US uh, Neo? Um, and are Neo's great EVs? Well, I've driven one Neo in London a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it was pretty solid. What about you? What, what's your experience? Uh, I uh, I'm pretty hyped about Neo to be honest. I think they they made some great cars at uh, really reasonable prices. Some of them. It does it does feel like there's going to be a big wave of Chinese vehicles, Chinese EVs coming to the U.S. Yeah, I mean the opportunity is there. They they already have the power for for that. They they have the volume. Uh, they have the the brand power is not as strong for sure. Like this does a giant advantage of that and. Automakers in the U.S. still have time to uh, solidify the position, but uh, I think there's an opportunity for brand like Neo and Xpeng and, and a few others to to expand to North America. As for the launch being imminent, uh, we're we're seeing the very early sign of it. If you remember way back, Neo actually had a bigger presence in, in in the U.S. and then they scaled that back to focus on China, which made a lot of sense for them at the time. And now it looks like they are scaling back up in the U.S. But for them to actually launch in the U.S. and to go through all the regulatory approvals and um, to to allocate some volumes and and I mean Neo is also clearly going the uh, uh, direct sell and and direct service route, so they need to deploy service centers here. Right. They need to de- they they also have their own charging network and. The, I don't know if the battery swapping thing that they do in China is going to make it to the U.S. Maybe I, I mean it looks like it's working in China. I don't know if. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, if they, uh, they branded it different there, because we know that uh, in the U.S. it's it's been tougher to uh, to ramp up. So there's, there's still a lot of things that need to happen, I think, for a new to launch in North America, but uh, it, it looks like they're making the first step towards that. And they've already launched in Norway. Yep. And uh, anywhere else? Where else are they? Uh, I, I think there's a bunch of other... Uh, markets in Europe where they, they they are also they're further along. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think they any deliveries yet. But uh, so US seems to be a little bit behind all that, right? So not imminent, but uh, yes, I think it's going to happen eventually. All right. Uh, when we were talking about the heat pump, uh, mm-hmm. Carolyn LNU says needs to be solved before there is a loss of life. Yes, that would. I be- mean, loss of life would be extremely tragic. I don't I don't think it's going to come to that. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a, it should be on the top priority for Tesla right now. Yeah, for sure. All right. We've got to scroll a little bit here. Uh, thoughts on article today by Dan Klein of The Street uh, that the Cybertruck might not ever get built. So <laughs> I took a quick look at that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what Dan Klein is, but uh, I think that if he believes that, he's, he's mistaken. So he had a couple arguments. One, that it was a head fake. Uh, it was what? Just a head fake kind of just like... Uh, you know, screwing with the, the industry and, uh, you know, they have a different, different vehicle, different roadmap planned. Um, and you know, the uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what does he mean by like, I haven't read the article, but 
it, the, does it mean like it was a strategy to confuse the industry? Is that that's his argument? Oh, it is. Boy, it is so strange is, that yeah, 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 he's out there. Like, right. <laughs> like this. This is a vehicle program that was deep in development for years. That that this, the designers and engineers have been working hard on and developed a lot of technology for, and there's a lot of patents for them. And yes, it's out there in terms of design and everything, but there's there's a lot of good reasons for those design. And I know they are controversial, but there's obviously a large market for it, and, and a lot of people are excited about it. Well, a lot of people already put money down for it. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but uh, it seems like uh, one of those uh, ideas that, uh, dare I say, clickbait. Yeah, I mean, I think probably uh, it's so out there for a lot of people that they can't imagine it actually happening, like those being yeah. on the streets. And then in addition to that, add all the delays and you yeah. put those two together and people are like, well, maybe it's not going to happen. I it's mean, the delays, I, I'm not like, um, I'm not always out there defending Tesla on their delays, but the, the, the delay on the Cybertruck is is clear. Like the Tesla, like I was the first to report that Tesla is going to build a factory in Austin. Like, and I, I, people know like my source for that was extremely good and it ended up being true. And we were months ahead on everyone on that. And my source at the time was, again, a source close to the project, extremely close, said that Elon was saying that he wanted to start production of Model Y by the end of uh, 2020 at the time. like Or at least have a general assembly. He wanted to have a general assembly there by the end of 2020 and then start producing the bodies by the end of 2021 there and ramp up production with that. That was the original plan. Uh, then, of course, it was pushed to everything at the, by the end of 2021. And this was also delayed for a bunch of logistical supply chain reasons. Tesla had to focus on that. The Model Y program there was delayed, and so the Cybertruck had to be delayed too because the, the same people that design and deploy those large production lines for the Model Y are going to sh- switch their focus and pro- produce the production line for the Cybertruck. Tesla needs those people, needs that capacity, and right now they're all working on the Model Y. So uh, the, the reason for the delay is clear. It's not... It's it's not for some wild reason where Tesla is trying to is doesn't intend to ever produce it and is 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 uh, doing playing some mind games with the rest of the industry. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me uh, we were talking to a former high level Tesla exec at a, a conference about two years ago, and he was saying that um, this is one of like it, Elon's pet project, so he's like micromanaging the whole. Oh, operation yeah, 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 yeah. so he's like there's no like it's going to get super delayed mm-hmm. he said the last so, time elon model got x, this involved yeah. was the model x yeah and we know that was super delayed yeah so um it's going to be a more interesting vehicle probably before it but it's also probably going to be yeah a little bit late yeah i remember that the comparison with the model x like and, and i mean and elon just confirmed it recently a few months ago he said the cybertruck is going to be a technology uh, uh Testbed, the platform, like the Tesla is going to cram a lot of new technology in it, uh, just like the Model X. So it basically signal everyone that uh, yeah, this program is going to get delayed if any of those technology doesn't pan out uh, as well as they thought. All right, green gold. Uh, Cybertruck will get a redesign. Elon has even hinted about it. Yes, has it? Uh, I'll, I'll see I, I what think he's. You... 
the opposite. He's he said it's going to be almost. Identical. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He very recently said it's going to be very similar to the original one. There's a few things that, again, it's a few technology that you might not expect will end up on that truck. That I think that I think that's it. Um, he said things like the the wiper, like the huge giant weird wiper that we saw in the most recent prototype last month. Uh, he said that's going to be the production one. So people are thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be the electromagnetic wiper thing. Maybe the it's laser wipers, the laser, like uh, that's a little bit more out there, but it's like, apparently a very real technology that this is working on. And yeah, they were granted an actual patent for it. So, Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark LA says, uh, is there a case, a strong case for Rivian taking a stronger market share than originally thought? Uh, Rivian will take as many cars as they can possibly make until yeah. 2025. Uh, so, yeah, at least 2025. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fair. I think, uh, it, no, it depends on what you were expecting from originally thought. Like, what was the market share? Or did you thought like the production capacity in um, normal? I think it's around two hundred thousand units. Then there's a little bit more at the new factory in Georgia. So uh, they're gonna sell all those for sure. Yeah, at least for the first couple of years. <laughs> All right. Uh, Roll of 20 says ID4 or Ionic 5 for first budget EV. That's a good question. Also, which EV truck will you to get? Also a good question. Um, so let's start with the ID4 or Ionic 5 uh, as a budget EV. Uh, I, I mean, they're not Ionic 5, personally, I think. Yeah. Um, so the ID4 does not. So both of these vehicles both have like a 200 horsepower, which is okay. But we're talking about like six, six and a half seconds, zero to 60. And that's that's just not a lot of fun, you know. It's, most people don't care. No. I feel most like. people don't care. I think I think the, the the big the the kicker for for those is going to be the charging. The, the charging of the Ionic Five being so much faster. Yeah, the charging uh, is a lot faster. Um, I need cool to compare stuff. the the cargo space and all that, like the actual numbers on those. But I would assume that they're fairly close, even though like the ID Four might be a little bit bigger on the outside. I think they are pretty close. Yeah, I think for a lot of things they're pretty close. I think it's going to come down to like taste and appearance like the volkswagen i think is i don't want to say it's more feminine but i feel like it's going to appeal to it's more traditional suv traditional which which women like in generally there's a it's yeah more appealing to them i think the id sorry the ionic 5 kind of seems more like i don't want to say camaro-y but like it's more sporter it's more sport you know like gamer kind of vibe you know big pixels so I don't know. Uh, I think they're both good, good budget cars. Um, yeah, roll eight twenty just said like seven seconds zero sixty is fine for normies like me. I think I think he's right. I, I mean, people don't like the term normies, but I think for most people, they, they don't care that much about uh, the zero sixty time. Especially we were coming from people we've been driving at your car for so long, and especially Tesla that you get used to that kind of power, but. For someone coming from a gasoline-powered car, especially if it's not a high-level premium car, that's perfectly fine. Zero to sixty. That's actually you know quite nice, especially without gears and everything. Then the truck, the truck. You already uh, think that well. I mean, it depends. When you 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 don't want the pickup trucks, you want but you want the R1S. Right. So um, I have I still have my Cybertruck reservation. Yeah. Um, But I think I'm probably going to end up with the R1S for two reasons. 
Uh, one I think is probably going to get made first, and or you know once they get to me, uh, it'll be first. And two, well, a couple reasons more. Um, it's it's smaller, so it's going to have a smaller footprint, so it might actually fit in my garage. Um, and you know, like the having the the cab in the back in the third row is something that's good for my family. So, you know, if something ha- happens to Rivian and they're gone, I'll definitely go Cybertruck. But I think Rivian just fits my needs more. Yeah, I you? agree. Uh, I've been personally, I've been leaning Cybertruck lately. Uh, I still have my Rivian reservation, but there's there's no at the timeline. I don't think I'm going to get it by the end of this year or maybe early next year. So I, I think technically I, sh- I should be able to get a Rivian R1T before a Cybertruck, but it's going to be kind of close, I think, in Canada. So I I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still open to it. Like I could be convinced either way. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna get a better idea, I guess, when Tesla released the production spec of the Cybertruck and production pricing of the Cybertruck, which we know are gonna get updated maybe next week or on the 26 or whatever. So um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna s- wait for that. But right now, I have to say I'm leaning a little bit Cybertruck. So uh, Bradley, he's uh one of our team members uh, jumped over to the F-150. Uh, he had a yeah. Cybertruck, and I think he was on Rivian train for a while, and he has a pickup now. Would you jump over to Ford F-150 if they said, hey, Fred, we'll let you go to the front of the line. We'll get you one ne- next year. Ah, uh, Good question. I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, like, if, if I, I would certainly go Ford F-150 before, like, Silverado Electric or... Uh, I mean, we haven't heard much about the RAM. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends. I, I think the price is going to be quite high, to be honest, in Canada for for, for, for that. Uh, if because I, I want, I would want the bigger battery pack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm very curious to see. Wait, once we get the uh, also the Rivian, like I would, I will also tend to want the bigger battery pack for the Rivian, and that that's also been significantly delayed. Um, so between like, I, I would preferably, I would like to take my decision with the information of the price of the bigger battery pack for the Rivian R1T, which is going to come next year. Then, uh, Cybertruck, that's, that's why I keep leaning Cybertruck because I, I think knowing Tesla, they're probably going to launch it with the top version with the bigger battery pack. And I think Tesla is still king, uh, range for money i think this is still is still king on that front so so i i think the top end cyber truck uh, unless unless they go a plaid version of a cyber truck or something which i, I don't want but i want the, the bigger battery pack uh with uh try or quad motor if i have to but i think for the price of that versus the price of the rivian which is and the because it's not cheap if you want the big battery pack for the f-150 Lightning, it's it's not cheap at all. I think it starts at seventy four thousand US, so that's going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars in Canadian dollars. It's it's going to be expensive. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll wait and see once we have all the information. But right now, I'm taking knowing what I know about Tesla. I think Cybertruck is going to be the best option. Yeah, I mean one of the the uh, one of the problems with like getting one of these is like, well, we want we want to get it as soon as possible, mm-hmm. and everybody's timelines keep moving around you know usually getting pushed back although ford said they were going to double their production recently mm-hmm. like so if if you know if you're picking between a ford in two years and a rivian in one year which you know that that sounded like 
kind of my options when I was picking, then a Rivian in one year definitely sounds better than a Ford. But if they were coming at the same time or mm-hmm. the Ford was coming earlier, I don't know, maybe it makes more sense. Huh? Yeah, especially like if for you, like going to Vermont all the time in the winter, like I feel like you that would make a big difference for you just like one winter uh, ahead of having that R1S to, to go between New York and, and Vermont. Like that's for sure. a big, big improvement, I think. Yeah, it makes sense with the family and everything. For me, it's more like uh, uh, just uh, I, I just bought a house with a big piece of land and everything. It's going to be useful, but it's not priority. Like, uh, So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm more willing to wait a little bit if I have to. Yeah. All right. Uh, getting toward the end here, Green Gold. Why would Elon say it could fail if it has a million pre-orders? Uh, might be a little confusion there. I don't think Elon said it could fail. I think he said that uh, before there was a million pre- <laughs> like a million pre-order. Uh, oh, he, he did say it before. Oh, there's a actually, backup or something. Yeah, actually unveiling it, he said that well, we can just produce like a regular looking truck if if no one wants it. I, right now, I think Elon is going to go all in. That's why he also he, he's pushing a lot of technology in it and everything because he, he knows the excitement is there and that uh, people are going to be willing to wait a little and, and whatnot. So. No, I, I think uh, Tesla is an all in in, in Cybertruck right now. I don't know what this uh, Mr. Klein is saying. Like, <laughs> I think Tesla is uh, is going to produce that thing uh, later rather than sooner, maybe. <laughs> but they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I just I wonder if it's going to be like you know the Hummers were such a cool thing for such a long time. I don't know how long time, but they were cool for a while, and then Hummers became like really lame somehow. I hope. Yeah, it but I mean, it became lame. Also, it was a big part of like you were automatically labeled as just a moron that was spending $200 on a tank, a gas tank, right. uh, just burning them for no reason. Like, like there was a, there was a stigma attached to, to it too. That didn't help. Uh, that's the big advantage with those electric pickup trucks. Like you can have the big truck experience uh, for whatever reason, if you're actually using as a work truck to, to, to do, to carry some load and everything, or you just like being higher up in the road and, and, uh, uh, also like being basically a tank like uh, there's 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 the security aspect of it like uh if uh yeah if you're on the civic that crash into a pickup truck you're gonna be safer in the pickup truck than in the civic yeah um, that i mean that upsets me a little bit because it feels like an arms race and people yeah. are just getting bigger and bigger cars and you can't see bikers but and kids the or... arm race is already over set in the u.s like the pickup right. truck have one right uh, green just said that um elon said it last month i, I would need to see the context of him saying that did he say something like that on the joe Rogan podcast maybe something but i I I I don't I think maybe he said it like oh some of the technology might not work uh, maybe the uh, manufacturing of the exoskeleton um, I think it had it had to be some kind of context around that I don't I don't think it was like the commercial success yeah all right uh, that is uh, oh sorry one last question oh, will Model Three ever get a hitch option Ionic it did 5 in Europe didn't it I think it yeah did I was going to say in Europe everything has to have yeah. hitch. Um, it just, those hitches are for very light things like yeah. bike racks and, and small oh, you can trailers. have a trailer, but it has to be like a super small trailer. So no, I mean, we, uh, we don't know any indication that it's going to come to the North American market, unfortunately. I mean, you can get a third party one. I, I put a third party yeah. one on my model yeah. Y, uh, it's not, not easy, <laughs> but, uh, you can have somebody do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works. So that's it. All right. 
All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, it helps the show more than you know. And uh, it's also free to do. So just do it, please. <laughs> uh, if you are listening on your podcast app, uh, you can give us a five-star review. That helps a lot, too. Uh, it's also free. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I hope you have a nice week and you stay safe out there. Bye-bye.